0: Hello, and welcome to Pick a Little, Talk a Little, a theater podcast where we take one show at a time and feel a lot of things about it, like just an immense amount of feelings. I, as always, am your host, Gabriela Gazelowitz. And who do I have with me today?
1: I'm Daniel Olson. I'm so happy to be here, Gabby.
0: He's really excited, guys. Like, I'm excited about how excited he is. So why don't you start us off by telling us what show we're doing today?
1: We are doing Ragtime, one of the great American musicals. Based on the 1974 novel by E.L. Doctorow, Ragtime is a sweeping, epic show about America at the turn of the 20th century. It follows three different groups of characters, a waspy, upper-middle-class family in New Rochelle, New York, the black ragtime pianist, Colehouse Walker, and his fiancee, Sarah, and the immigrant, Tata, who struggles on the streets of the Lower East Side. In addition to all of these characters, there are real-life historical figures from the time period who who interact with them, like Harry Houdini, the musician, and the anarchist Emma Goldman, J.P. Morgan, Henry Ford, Booker T. Washington, um, and it's it's really exciting to see how all of these different stories and characters clash over the course of the show.
0: Guys, he did not. There were no notes. <laughs> that was that was just extemporaneous. <laughs> This is our first Flaherty and Aaron's musical, the songwriting duo behind a lot of Broadway shows. I think this is their best. Uh, composer Stephen Flaherty, uh, lyricist Lynn Aaron's, and this particular musical, the book is by the playwright Terrence McNally. Also, this show uh, premiered on Broadway in 1998, which we will get to. Daniel, you seem to know a lot about this show. What's your personal association with the show?
1: So, my household has been playing the cast album of Ragtime since 1998. So, I really got to know the music very well when I was, what, eight, nine, ten years old. I hadn't seen a production until a semi staged concert version at what was then Avery Fisher, what's now David Geffen Hall at Lincoln Center. Um, that featured really an all star cast.
0: As for me, my experience with the show is I saw it on Broadway for the 2009 revival. It was when they had already announced the closing, and my friend and I, Juan Lotto, it was like one of the first names called. And then we got to sit, you know, front row, center, orchestra. So this show is huge. In pretty much every sense of the word.
1: Right. And the opening line of the show is taken almost verbatim from the opening line of the novel, which is true for a lot of the text in the libretto of the piece. So that's
0: more context for you. I have not read the novel, and neither of us have read the non-musical movie based on the novel, but you have read the novel multiple times.
1: Yes. Don't want to get too much into the... Um, differences between the the novel and the show. What I will say is that the show is remarkably faithful to the novel.
0: Maybe too faithful. Uh,
1: Perhaps in some ways too faithful. So, So the characters are really meant to be symbols for what this period of change at the turn of the 20th century was like for people of different social groups, classes, races. I just think the opening number of this show is able to introduce that conflict and set the scene in such a brilliant theatrical way in the original production the little boy goes on stage alone and uh, a scrim featuring a victorian era photograph of of women in white dresses and parasols is behind him and that scrim then rises to reveal the ensemble in the exact same pose Um, and then all of the characters start to introduce themselves in the third person
0: we have a lot of characters. like I think yeah. that this, I think that this opening number is one of the, the is one of the best opening numbers of musical theater. It's just person after person coming out and saying who they are, and it helps that there's a really good melody. Yep. and you're just sitting you're like, "La la 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 la. There are three races in this musical, white black and immigrant.
1: Yes. So we start with the the white characters, father, mother, younger brother, grandfather singing about their pleasant, carefree lives in New Rochelle, New York. The days were gently tinted lavender, pink, lemon and lime. They sing about their experiences.
0: So we have this world of the white people and we're introduced to both the world with the richness of lyrics, which is great. But this is our first sign that maybe the musical has a little bit too much going on. For example, it's like grandfather gets an intro. He's not going to be important.
1: You can tell already that there are going to be a lot of people that you have to keep track of.
0: Harold Houdini's mom gets like multiple yeah, appearances in this musical.
1: So so we transition from the the white ensemble introducing themselves, ladies with parasols, fellows with tennis balls, there were gazebos and there were no negroes, which, which is, is a-, a line which is a line taken verbatim from the opening chapter of the novel describing what life in New Rochelle was like for these people in 1906. That
0: explains why the rhyme isn't perfect.
1: Right, right. And then the the music changes a little bit, becomes more ragtime influenced. As right, the black... it's like
0: the same melody arranged in different ways, right, which is genius.
1: Right, and the the three sort of central black characters get to introduce themselves: Colehouse Walker, um, his girl Sarah and Booker T. Washington, who, of course, is one of the real-life historical figures in the show.
0: I have so many questions, like, about this musical. There's, like, 3,300 songs, and each of them bring up as many questions. So, anyway, the the historical white people are J.P. Morgan, Henry Ford, and Evelyn Nesbitt, who's probably the celebrity in the show who you are the least likely to have heard of.
1: But was the celebrity in American history, who's at least in the opinion of E.L. Doctoro and the, and the creators of the show, invented the concept of celebrity in the first place. Then we transition to our third group of characters and the, and the music changes again. This time with clarinet and <laughs> fiddle and much more of a klezmer sort of sound. I love it. Yeah, oh. we're introduced to, to Tata and the little girl, his daughter. Leah Michelle of Glee fame played the little girl this in the was original her second Broadway, Broadway production of Ragtime. Yeah, We really
0: should just retire the podcast after this because now we've covered, as far as I'm aware, Emma Goldman's uh, American musical theater appearances.
1: Right, she's in, she's in Ragtime and Assassins. Yeah. So now that these three groups of people have been introduced, there's a really wonderful tense moment in the introduction where just music is playing and there's a sort of dangerous dance where people from all three groups are sort of wandering around the stage and come into accidental confrontations with each other. But that tension about what it means to be living in a diverse America at the turn of the 20th century is already present from the very first song.
0: And we get into the actual plot. So mother and father, the white couple from New Rochelle, are saying goodbye because father is going to go explore the North Pole with Matthew Perry.
1: Um, So father is preparing to go to the North Pole and mother sings a short song about how she's kind of nervous about being left alone. She doesn't really know how to live her life without father's support.
0: Yeah, the song's called Goodbye, My Love, and it's Perfectly nice.
1: Yeah. But transitions immediately into what I find to be one of the best production numbers in the piece Yes. called Journey On, where father is on the boat and simultaneously the rag ship that Tata and his little girl are on is going towards New York Harbor as they immigrate to the United States. Um, And both men have the opportunity to sing about their their hopes and dreams, their assumptions about the person who's standing on the, the deck of the other boats. And then, of course, Mother comes in at the end to to make it, I think, one of the great Broadway trios.
0: But it's, it's lovely. And also, it is a spoiler alert for the end of the musical and this episode. Uh, Mother is going to end the musical, Married to Tata. So it is a little bit weird that it's the three of them singing. It's sort of weird coincidence, number one. Yeah.
1: This idea that in spite of all of the differences that exist between different groups of Americans, the show has this sort of optimistic take that that in the end we're all American and we're all a part of this, this national project. Then we transition into Evelyn Nesbitt's one big number in the show, where she talks about how she became a vaudeville star. I actually find... The Evelyn Nesbit character to be the character that the show does the least good service to it, certainly compared to the novel. She's kind of just like a vaudeville tart, sort of bad Maryland Monroe what the parody, show calls her. right? This song, kind crime, of, of the "Crime of the Century." She just narrates how Harry K. Thaw, her husband, shot her lover, Stanford White, who is the architect who designed Pennsylvania Station. To me, it feels a little frivolous. What's An important detail, though, is that Mother's younger brother, who's kind of this aimless sort of young guy who's working for the fireworks factory, um, is in love with Evelyn Nesbitt and, and stalks her. And at the end of this production number, she sort of rejects him, leaving him aimlessly searching again for some meaning in his life, which will be important later on in the show
0: yeah crime of the century it doesn't serve an important purpose it's not a really good song i enjoy it anyway yeah it's definitely fun so this is where the show gets dark and it's just dark from here on out right
1: kind of the inciting action of the show happens during what kind of woman
0: so mothers in new rochelle and there is a infant boy a little african-american boy
1: like he was just born um, and and his mother buried yeah. him in the ground as a, as an attempted murder.
0: So the police arrive, and they've tracked down the baby's mother
1: and without guidance from her husband's mother, doesn't really know what to do and decides kind of, in the moment to take in both the baby and the mother who they have found hiding in a nearby house. um and and this this character's name is. Sarah, the same Sarah who introduced herself in the opening number as Colehouse House Walker's girlfriend. There's
0: a lot going on about justice and social justice and racial justice in the musical. And this is the first moment that it's weird because the power that Mother wields as a white woman, where she can say to the police officer, don't arrest this woman who just tried to commit infanticide. I'll take responsibility. And they're like... Okay. I mean, like we learn to really care for Sarah and forgive her for what she's done, which is a masterful move in the musicals part we'll get yeah. to. But what kind of woman is a is a good song? You know, she's angry that her husband isn't there. and then she sort of says, like, I can act a way that I wouldn't have acted were he here. right. So that's pretty significant.
1: And then we we shift to a scene on Ellis Island. The rag ship has now arrived. Um, wow, 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 wow. is, America, is but, America so the Tata and the little girl arrive and sing in Yiddish along with the Yiddish ensemble. There is an Italian ensemble that sings in Italian. I think there's a Haitian Italian. one, too. Yeah, and a Haitian ensemble that sings in, in Haitian Creole.
0: I love this song. Yeah. The way like this just starts with like one language and they start layering over right. each there's other. Right, a great
1: counterpoint. So then um, we shift immediately from Ellis Island to the streets of the Lower East Side. Tata sings a song called Success. He comes in to America thinking that he can achieve the American dream through his talents as an artist and tries to sell sort of paper cut silhouettes to the people on the Lower East Side.
0: He does not achieve success. In fact, by the end of the song, success becomes this spiteful, ironic cry. So success is like as a song is like, well, it's a bummer to listen to. It's like the entire musical of Rags in Five Minutes.
1: Yeah, right. Another a great sort of theatrical moment in the, in this number is that J. P. Morgan makes an appearance, talking to the immigrants and and saying, "If you work hard like me, you also can achieve wealth and the American dream." And comes down on a catwalk, crushing the the immigrants below him, which I think is a great image.
0: Well, what's interesting is Houdini also appears in the song in terms of as someone who's made it. Um, I like how they keep calling Houdini that fabulous immigrant. It's a yeah. weird choice of words. Right.
1: Emma Goldman is not the fabulous immigrant. Um, but the the scene gets a little bit dark, not on the cast album. It appears that someone is finally going to purchase a silhouette from from Tata, but what they actually intend to do is purchase his daughter right. um, to take her away from him. And that's kind of the last straw for Tata, and he decides that he's going to leave. New York City but we'll get to that a little bit later. we have another transition from the Lower East Side now uptown to Harlem where we're introduced to to Colehouse Walker again who sings about
0: yeah we get it again we like
1: another so- song length introduction of his who name Cole was House Cole House. Walker is yeah um, and he sings about being in love with with Sarah and how he did her wrong and how he wants to go and try to win her heart back.
0: He is like, "Oh, I found out where she is, and I guess we just have to accept that." Right, it, we just accept
1: like... that he knows. But sure. it's a, but it's important to know that Colehouse is a successful, educated musician. He's not a poor man. He dresses well, and he makes enough money to afford a Model T car.
0: I really like how his name was Colehouse goes into the getting ready rag. Yeah. Once again, it's so short. It's so short and it's fun.
1: It's so short, it's a taste of the music at the time. Yes. It's a great dance scene, and it sort of dances Cole House from Harlem to Henry Ford's Model T factory. right
0: into it. The Henry Ford song is one of my favorite songs in this musical.
1: Yeah, I also love it so much. Also, because it's not too long, I think it has great, clever lyrics. It's about how technology changes the culture of the United States.
0: This musical is so ambitious in the sense that it's trying to get us through all of these individual character arcs and stories and trying to make us care about these people, and then is trying to make these bigger points about the America at the turn of the 20th century and it's a hard balance to walk, and it kind of often sort of slips. But like that's why the Henry Ford song in two minutes gets across so much in the way that only a musical a musical can. Right. Sorry, I do like how Morgan and Ford as the two rich people tonally are antithetical to each other. That J.P. Morgan is sort of this almost pseudo British like posh rich, right? And Henry Ford is Henry a sort Ford of down, yeah, yeah. He's The apotheosis of folksy.
1: Right. So. Now we are back in New Rochelle at at the train station. Mother has been starting to take over some of the business from father while he's been away. She's at the train station. And at the train station, Tata and the little girl who are leaving New York City. He has a
0: rope tied around her. He has a
1: rope tied around her because someone wanted to buy her as a sex slave, so is keeping her very, very close to him at this point. This encounter at the train station in the book between mother and the little boy and Tata and the little girl is one line in the novel, and they turn it into a really pleasant, I think, Production yeah, number yeah, it here. Is a pleasant
0: song. Also, the little boy's name is Edgar. Like, Mother, we never get her name. younger mother's younger brother, we never get his name. Father, we never get his name. But every now and then, they're talking about the little boy, and they're like, hey, Edgar. And I'm like, all right.
1: Right, and the little girl or Tata don't have real names either. Just the little boy is Edgar.
0: Well, it's they kind of lampshaded here when he asked the little girl's name. She goes, No name.
1: Right. But so this song um sets up the, the romance that will come later between mother and yeah. topic. So
0: it's necessary.
1: Next we are we have a short scene. Colehouse in his car is on a the way to, to New Rochelle. And on the drive up, he passes the Emerald Isle Firehouse in New Rochelle. The Irish firemen are, are there. And say this is a private road. You need to pay twenty-five dollars. Kind of in a in a racist way. Willie Conklin, using much more disgusting language than this, says, "Here's a black man who doesn't know he's a black man um, because uh. he's driving a car and wearing nice clothes." Colehouse goes around the road at the, at this part and makes it to the house in New Rochelle, but we're set up for for trouble a little bit down the road here.
0: So meanwhile, how's Sarah
1: doing? This character, Sarah, who doesn't have so much to do in the book, um, but they give her a song that tries to explain her actions when, when she almost killed her child. Um, This song is called. um,
0: Your daddy's son. Your
1: daddy's son. Yeah. They
0: have to sell us on forgiving a woman who tried to kill her baby. And it, it works. And it really
1: works. And I think one of the reasons it works, certainly when I listen to it on the cast album, is because Audra McDonald, who is in yes. the original cast of the show, oh. just sings it so beautifully. And you can feel the pain of a woman who's been abandoned um, and betrayed by the man that that she loves, sees so many of his features in, in the baby, his eyes, his hands, and is just overwhelmed by the pain I don't want to just boil down the song to "Here's the number that won Audra McDonald the Tony." I mean, what other song but, would it be? Right, though, right? <laughs> but but it's but it's this song. Audra won her third of her current six Tonys in it in Ragtime. It was It was Carousel. What was Carousel, between this and Carousel Masterclass? Oh, also by Terrence McCallie. Fun.
0: And also, this song is great both musically and lyrically at playing to her character's voice. Yeah. But Colehouse is on his way to interrupt her sad reverie. And we have the courtship.
1: Yes. So Colehouse is rejected by Sarah. She doesn't want to come downstairs to Reject. see him. Rejected. Colehouse is very proud. That is something that is going to ultimately be his undoing. But he's persistent and comes back to New Rochelle every Sunday to try to win Sarah's heart back. In one of the Sundays, he's finally invited to play a little bit on. The piano. Remember, Colehouse is a very talented ragtime pianist, and as he's playing, what happens? But father comes
0: home from the wars.
1: Right, no. not from the wars. <laughs> <I know>. From <laughs> from being almost at the North Pole. He made it up to like the seventy-second parallel. He like or something. lost a toe or something. Yeah, his left something about his heel being perpetually frozen. And while he's been gone, the entire world. <laughs> of his household has changed. Yep. So,
0: so father comes back and, and doesn't know who any of these people are. There's a black woman in their attic. There's her baby who's living in the house. And then there's this other dude who's a parent, presumably the father of the baby, sitting at a piano playing music. And it's also completely unfamiliar music to him because it's ethnic.
1: Right. So father is very confused by all of this. Mother, who has lived it, is much more open to the change and excitement. And they start singing another great, production number called New Music to the Tune of Colehouse's Piano, where father sings about kind of being caught off guard by all of the changes in their lives.
0: You know, I should like this song more. It serves an important purpose. It's just not particularly captivating to me. You know, father comes back and he goes, things are different. What I do like about the end of the song is that it culminates in Colehouse and Sarah's reunion right. and her taking him back and when they take on the song all of a sudden I'm like oh like just give me these last like 30 seconds of the song that's right. all I need.
1: Right it becomes very beautiful but of course new music the ragtime music as a metaphor for all of the changes in American culture Colehouse and Sarah go for a drive into the country and sing probably the most famous song called Wheels of a Dream.
0: This is a song I can get behind. First of all, just the central imagery of, like, the first time I heard the song, I wasn't really listening, and I thought it was Wings of a Dream. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then I heard it, and I'm like, Wheels of a Dream. Oh, because, like, the car literally, but also the progress and the mechanical aspects of an era yep. of industrialization. The connection
1: between technology and having an opportunity to live the American dream here. And it's just beautiful to hear them sing about how they want to drive their son all over the country to visit family, to see California, to listen to the recording of Brian Stokes Mitchell and and Audra Audra. McDonald. It's just, it's like, it's godly.
0: It's not fair. (laughs) Yeah. As great as the song is, the next song is actually my favorite song. We have Emma Goldman back. The, the song is called The Night That Goldman Spoke at Union Square, which is a long title, but it's fine. Emma Goldman is speaking at Workers Hall, and a lot of things are going on in this song. Yeah. First of all, she's talking about this real-life textile mill strike in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And through her song, we learn, and then it will eventually transition over, that that's where Tata ended up and things have actually kind of gotten worse for him.
1: Yeah. Terrible conditions in these factories. This was a strike called the Children's Crusade, or um, as a strategy, the, the workers tried to get the children in these mills adopted by willing families up and down the East Coast, and the mill owners were very unhappy with this with this tactic to gain sympathy for, for the workers um, and kind of violently quelled the, the strike. So Goldman's singing about that. Mother's
0: younger brother in coincidence number 55 happens to go inside because it's cold out and he hears Emma Goldman make this speech and it gives him this epiphany that he's been looking for meaning in life and meaning in life is fighting the injustices in the world.
1: Right. He's not going to find it from being obsessed with Evelyn Nesbitt, he's going to find it from being a social justice warrior.
0: Right. He's the original SJW, which is interesting because he has all the privilege. Yes. He has his straight, yes. white, male, uh, upper-class privilege.
1: Is working, has a great paying job, is comfortable.
0: And it's, Anyway, so th- this song goes into Lawrence, and it's interesting because earlier in the musical, Emma Goldman encounters Tata and tells him to, you know, it's like, hey, what about socialism? And he's like, mm, no thanks. And since he has sort of snapped and he's trying to participate in the strike. and yeah, after he, loving yeah. America,
1: screams out, God damn America.
0: Yeah, that's a, a moment, so, yeah.
1: Um. And the train is taking the little girl away to the family in Philadelphia. There's violence. Tata gets caught up in the scuffle. Um. The little girl is calling out his name. He jumps on the train and tries to calm her down, and he calms her down.
0: He's like, I invented the flip book. I'm like, did you? I yeah. mean, that's, well...
1: So he shows her a flip book of a little girl doing figure eights on figure skates. It's a lovely song.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Um, Gliding.
1: And he's able, at the end of the song, to finally sell some of his product to the train conductor. And it's a, a little foreshadowing of the ultimate success he'll find a little bit later.
0: Yes, but it is a little bit weird. Like, he utterly fails at it. And then he, he you know, tweaks it a little bit and he gets it into this uh, picture book, which he calls a movie book. A movie book. book. Oh, God. Um, a
1: movie
0: book. Because <laughs> it moves.
1: Uh, that's the last we're going to see of Tata for a little while in because the show.
0: Because I love, like, as a Jewish person, I love Tata. Like, I... He's the lead, like they're like. There's three main characters. Right. There's two main characters. He doesn't count. The
1: third wheel yeah. in in the Ragtime universe. The wheel. The- Speaking of of the car now, Sarah and Colehouse are coming back from their courtship in the in the bucolic field where they sing Wheels of a Dream, and the same Irish firemen who we talked about a little bit before. Are there and want Colehouse to pay that same twenty-five dollar toll? Colehouse says, "I'm going to find a police officer because it's, it's not actually a private toll road." Um, and while Colehouse is away, the policemen under Willie Conklin's leadership trash Colehouse's car. And kind of the grossest thing that happens is that a pile of poop is left in on on the seats. And Colehouse comes back and is really really angry and Sarah says Colehouse it doesn't matter but Colehouse is going to find justice no matter what with and- the
0: song justice um yeah. can you explain to me Colehouse's logic that in the song justice when no one when he tries to complain and get justice for his destroyed property and no one listens that his response is
1: I'm not gonna get married.
0: I'm not gonna get married? Yeah. Like why is he taking it out on
1: Sarah? Right. So he tries all these different avenues. Father and mother try to get involved. He goes to a white lawyer who turns him down. He goes to a black lawyer who says that there he has bigger fish to fry. I wish the book had something more to reveal about Colehouse's decision in this moment, but it doesn't. If you look back to Wheels of a Dream, he had this grand vision for what their life as a couple was mm-hmm. going to be, and it really centered around the car. Colhouse is probably the most complicated character in the show, um, in that you want to root for him so much, and he faces injustice, and yet makes really questionable decisions.
0: Stupid decisions.
1: This is the first one and then makes many more in, in act two. But but Sarah is devastated.
0: Sarah, the best part of this song is Sarah at the end actually has a moment of anger. She's singing like um, a, a sort of reprise of Wheels of a Dream where she says, you know, we had this vision together and I know that you're capable of great things, but like, what are you doing?
1: Right, so Sarah decides to take things into her own hands. And in a sort of naive way, thinks that if she gets the attention of the vice presidential candidates...
0: For the Republican... Like, what is she thinking? Right.
1: Another callback to assassins. Everybody in America is kind of on edge because William McKinley had just been assassinated by by Cholgaz. Everyone's just, like, really on edge and tense. And Sarah runs up to the president and says something like, we got a son and is holding up her hand to try to get his attention. Someone says that woman's got a gun, and the Sarah is then beaten by people in the crowd.
0: Wikipedia says it's JP Morgan right. It
1: also the script says JP Morgan. that's not the case in the book. I actually find that a very questionable choice that the musical makes
0: I feel like they were like he hasn't done anything yet.
1: yeah. Um, and she's beaten and and dies from the from the beating. It's a very very sad. The funeral number that that follows, called "A Day of Peace,"
0: until well, we reach that. Til day. Till we
1: reach that day, you're right.
0: Uh, so it's our finale act one. It makes sense as a finale act one from a dramatic standpoint and from a musical standpoint. Once again. I want to like this song, and all I can think of is our sort of the recurring theme we've encountered on this podcast, which is the random black girl singing the soul, and that it's this soulful, sad music, and I just find it generally unmemorable.
1: But what what I think is most powerful about this number, when, when the characters sing, it will happen again and again and again and again, and you think about all of the unarmed black people who have been killed, um, I think the song is still tremendously relevant.
0: So, act two. All right. um, We have not mentioned up to this point that mother's son, Edgar, is telepathic.
1: He's clairvoyant. He can tell the future. Sure. Yeah, he keeps telling Harry Houdini to warn the Duke.
0: Which, by the way, spoiler alert, it means he's referring to the Archduke Ferdinand
1: this is one of the weirder things from the novel that was kept for the musical that I just don't think does anything they shouldn't for the have musical. Kept
0: it. Anyway, so the little boy keeps telling Harry Houdini to warn the Duke and we're like, What? Um
1: We transition into Colehouse's soliloquy and it's kind of a reprise of a couple different songs of um, your daddy's son, and then at the end the the opening number in a sort of dark in a much darker way, he sings oh, yeah. I'll play them the music of something beginning, an era exploding. And then, of course, what happens is that Cole House blows up the Emerald Isle Fire Company.
0: Which the little boy predicted little would happen.
1: Right. But why? So three firemen are killed in the, this shootout explosion. But Willie Conklin, the, the chief, is able to, to get away. And Colehouse. Goes on kind of like a spree of violence around New Rochelle. I mean,
0: it's terrorism.
1: Blowing up firehouses and shooting firemen. And he says that he will stop if, number one, that his car is restored to its pristine condition. And number two, that Willie Conklin be given over to him.
0: Willie Conklin is not responsible for Sarah's death. Right. He's just not. Right. There are lots of people making decisions at several points along the way. Right,
1: which I actually think speaks to how racism in America isn't just something that individual people do, um, but that racism and prejudice against black characters in America and the black characters in the show is a much larger issue, greater than just a couple of individual people. Anyway, I think what's important to know in, in this song is that the black ensemble in the show is divided in their response to to Colehouse's terrorism. I mean, Booker
0: T. Washington is very solidly against it, which seems like the kind of thing the real Booker T. Washington would not have have liked.
1: But some of the the young men of Harlem decide to join Colehouse Walker's sort of band of outlaws in in this number. So, there's a lot of tension act 2 opens and there's a lot of tension and how do we relieve some of that tension? Baseball. Baseball.
0: Well, I mean there's also um, tension going on in the White New Rochelle family partly because they have Colehouse's baby because yep. he's just kind of left his baby.
1: Well, father and mother's relationship really is starting to fray and father has also been neglecting the little boy. Anyway, they go to the baseball game. Father assumes that the that the game between the Giants and the Braves at Polo Grounds is going to be just like when he used to play baseball on the lawns of Harvard. But of course, the baseball game is a melting pot of all sorts of different immigrant groups using bad language, calling each other ethnic slurs. Um... And the boy, who's very impressionable, starts repeating many of those ethnic slurs and and bad words. But
0: then he catches like a pop fly. It's great. Right. So so this show has arguably too many digressions. If I had to keep one, it would be this song. One, there's actually some good character development for the father and his son. Yes. Two, um, it's short. Three, it's really fun and just a good song. It's really fun. And four, it actually gives us the comment like they've been trying to make all this big commentary about what it was like in the United States, particularly New York at the turn of the century, and this song delivers it in a really digestible, fun way. Yep. Well, so we have we have fire in the city, which is Colehouse is continuing to go on his rampage,
1: and Colehouse declares himself the president of the provisional American government oh, in this song. No.
0: My entire notes for this song were just oy Vey in capital letters. Yeah, well, that... it was it was Cole House soliloquy was OY, Fire in the City's OYVE. So the stakes, the tension is also, despite the trip to the baseball game. Still there. Still there, so... So
1: baseball game isn't enough for the family. They really have to get away and they decide to go to Atlantic City and there's a nice song that... Evelyn Nesbitt and Harry Houdini kind of participate in, um, describing both sort of the peacefulness of Atlantic City in contrast to the violence happening in New Rochelle and also sort of how their own careers have gone since we last saw them in Act One. And
0: also it's a good sort of little parody of music of the era. Yeah. You know, sea and salty air that is a sort of like little like jingle of like, let's go to Atlantic City, darling.
1: Um, there's a small reprise of of new music that father that Father sings. Oh yeah. Um the original um from Act One goes like this. Where have I been? How did we change? Caught in this strange new music. So you can hear how each of those three lines are different melodies from each other. but in the reprise that father has, it goes like this: Where have I been? How did we change the same line repeated twice, which I think is a nice sort of musical way to demonstrate Father's as a character's inability to change with the times.
0: We're gonna go leave Cole house for like right. half an hour. the Atlantic
1: like- City digression takes a lot of time out of the show in Act two but it does allow us to get reintroduced to someone who we left behind named the baron ashkenazi
0: which i like when i saw this on broadway when he when we hear the name i laughed really hard and no one else laughed
1: yeah. um, but of course the baron ashkenazi turns around it's tata it's tata who has now made it as a movie director
0: It's a patter song. A patter
1: song singing about how... Buffalo
0: Nickel Photo Play Inc.
1: Singing about how he became this director and turned his movie books... how he (laughs) invented movies. Yeah. But it allows Mother and Tata to to reconnect, and they have a little flirtatious moment where Tata asks her if anybody would buy a storyline where a woman left her husband to be with a butcher...
0: But their their kids are getting along nicely and playing on the beach, and they sing "Our Children,"
1: the we- first of the anthems of Act Two. There are lots of anthems, but this
0: is the least good anthem. Yeah. At the end, he makes a little speech to her about that he is Tata, not the Baron, and I think it's a very moving speech. But how's Kohlhaas doing?
1: Well, Kohlhaas is about to get some some help from an unexpected place. Mother's younger brother, who we know became a little radicalized by Emma Goldman in Act One, is looking for Colehouse Walker to join him. And the people of Harlem, who he asks where Colehouse is, are very skeptical of his presence. And here is where Colehouse has a little reverie, um, where he's brought back to the past, um, the moment where he first met Sarah in a song called Sarah Brown Eyes.
0: Really, because if you kill Audrey McDonald in act one of a show, you need a reason for her to come back in act two.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a lovely song. It's great to hear Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audrey McDonald have another duet with each other. The reverie ends and Colehouse is introduced to Mother's Younger Brother, and there's another uh,
0: hi. My name is Mother's Younger Brother, <laughs> right, he says. <laughs> right,
1: right. But we get an, a great trio where Emma Goldman actually comes on to narrate
0: so I think he wanted to say is the uh, one of the best uses of a historical figure in the show. Emma Goldman's presence as the bridge between Colehouse and Mother's younger brother in this song is really good because she's the she's the one who's been the social justice warrior.
1: Judy Kay sings so beautifully in the in the cast album of this number.
0: She, I
1: love her so much. Anyway. Um, and of course he wanted to say is about Mother's Younger Brother wanting to make grand statements about justice. But but the only thing that Mother's Younger Brother can bring himself to say is what?
0: I know how to blow things up.
1: That's not how he says it. <laughs> that's not how he says it. In a very sort of foreboding way that in this moment, Mother's Younger Brother joining Colhouse's band, for a moment, erases the racial distinction between the two of them, which you can question, but that's how mother's younger brother at least feels about the situation. Shift to Atlantic City, where we hear that House's band of men has upped the stakes even more by taking over the Morgan Library in Midtown and lacing the entire thing with explosive devices. Mm -hmm. Mother is called back to New York from Atlantic City in order to try to help deal with the situation. They get into one sort of final fight, and father sort of says, when this is all over, maybe we can go back to how things were before in our lives and in our relationships. Father says, I love you. Mother just says, be safe. And he's off.
0: So it's it's frustrating that she has this really strong song that we're going to get to that she doesn't sing to him but anyway but we have back to before which when i say is is the best written song in the musical i mean in perfect like traditional musical theater song words like verse verse key change bridge come back down at the end yeah but i still think it's exquisite in lyrics in the imagery that it uses and it's just mother saying hey I haven't been my own person.
1: I can make decisions in my life. I don't need to let my husband decide everything for me.
0: Anyway, so so
1: now, we're back in New York City. The district attorney is trying to deal with the situation at the Morgan Library. Father arrives, and Father has the suggestion to bring in Booker T. Washington to speak to to Colehouse. And at first, Colehouse. Doesn't listen. Washington says, um, had you been ignorant of the tragic struggle of our people, I could have pitied you this adventure. But you are a trained musician, an educated man. And Colhouse responds, it is true, sir. But I hope this might suggest to you the solemn calculation of my mind. I love
0: how he says that. We are
1: both men of color who insist on the truth of our manhood and the respect it demands.
0: Even though we like Colehouse, at no point are we sympathetic to what he's
1: doing. Right. Like Emma Goldman says, I deplore acts of violence. We deplore Colehouse's acts of violence well it's
0: interesting because Emma Goldman says I deplore acts of violence but I applaud him like taking the Morgan Library and striking a blow to capitalism right but the song between Colehouse and Booker T. Washington is look what you've done Booker T Washington has a great baritone I wish we could hear more of yeah. in this show so
1: what 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 is it that Booker T Washington says to Colehouse that finally convinces him to not blow up the library?
0: Well, he says this whole time you're saying here that white people are dictating what justice is in the way we live our lives, but you've left your son and he's going to be raised on white men's truths, is what he calls it, yeah, which is such a line. And that's what convinces Colehouse ultimately,
1: right. So Colehouse comes up with a plan that will allow his men to leave the library safely.
0: I'm Confused because um, Booker T. Washington is like, I promise you, you're going to get a trial. You're not going. You're going to come out of this alive. And and I mean, Colehouse doesn't believe him. But Booker T. Washington even goes like, I am their emissary. I'm not their fool. And it's like, but
1: we'll get there. This is part of the sloppiness in the adaptation from the book to the show. Okay. Colehouse says that this is what he's going to do. The men at first don't want to hear that. They want justice. They want to go through with the plan, and Colehouse is eventually able to to quell that by singing the the last of the anthems in Act a Two one. of Ragtime. But it's a really it's a good really one good on. one.
0: The name of the song is "Make Them Hear You." He never hits the R in the end of "hear." It keeps being I'm listening. It's so annoying listening. Make them make them hear you.
1: Right. Anyway, but the power in the song right. what is Colehouse saying. Your power doesn't come from violent actions. Your power comes from telling your story of injustice.
0: This is a 180 I'm not sure I buy.
1: I mean, it, the same thing happens in the book. So in in spite of whether or not it's plausible, that it also stands on its own outside of ragtime. It's just oh, a, yeah. that's a brilliant song. And, and this song. is a
0: song that, that I think of in terms of stuff that's going on today. Yeah. You know, then will justice be demanded by 10 million righteous men? It kind of took the easy way out, where it's like violence isn't the answer. Getting people to listen is the answer. There are lots of people today who very strongly disagree with Booker T. Washington's methods 100 years ago.
1: Yep, At this moment in the musical, it seems like that sort of tie-up-in-a-beautiful-bow I actually think what happens right after the song does express some more ambivalence about whether just peacemaking is ultimately going to achieve justice. Spoiler in the world. alert,
0: Colehouse's son is going to be raised by white people. So
1: Colehouse, after the song is able to successfully get his men out of the library. Father
0: father steps up. Right. He comes in to be a hostage. He's father, despite his arguments with mother, really in the last in the last act.
1: Is very helpful. does the right thing when it's just Colehouse and Father left in the library, Colehouse asks Father to tell him about his son, which Ugh. which father does a little bit. It's who's it's really, also like
0: Colehouse the Third, right?
1: Right? Who becomes Colehouse the Third? As soon as Colehouse steps out of the library, this happens off stage with his hands up, he is immediately shot by the waiting policeman outside of the library and is killed. In the book, it's implied that it's suicide by police. In the musical, it's not, which I think underscores the point that the quest for justice for African-Americans in the United States in the 20th century is still not over.
0: Instead, it just sort of leaves you being like, wait, I thought they just worked this out. What's going on? It's a very powerful point when we sit here and unpack it after the fact. When you're watching it on stage, you're not saying, oh, maybe the peaceful way is not the best way. You're just going like, oh, that's not fair. Wait a second.
1: Tragic ending. Father is left alone saying no on stage in the same way that Colehouse said no to Sarah's death at the end of act one. So finale. Finale.
0: (laughs) Which is... Poignant, I guess.
1: Poignant, um, similar in structure to the opening number.
0: In the sense that everyone gets one. It's like grandfather dies. Right. Every, Every
1: character major to minor gets a third person sentence about what their character is up to. There's a great line, though, from the little boy. The era of ragtime had run out as if history were no more than a tune on a player piano. Some of Doctorow's best prose. Mother's younger brother runs off to join the Mexican Revolution.
0: All the historical people, all the historical stuff happens to them. Right.
1: Emma Goldman gets deported. Booker T. Washington um, talks about the Tuskegee Institute becoming a major center of higher learning for African-Americans. Evelyn Nesbit talks about falling into obscurity and losing her looks. Finally this like weird thing with Warren the Duke comes back with Harry Houdini.
0: Oh, he was doing a trick when the at the same time the Duke was shot. I'm like he was doing tricks all the time. It's like what if he'd been eating breakfast when the Duke was shot? Right. Oh my god. They're like this is the payoff for Edgar being psychic. No. Yeah.
1: World War 1 begins and father ends up dying On the Lusitania, which is kind of convenient. Yeah, it's like a a
0: convenient (laughs) coincidence number.
1: Because it means that for Mother to actually make independent choices in her life, she doesn't actually have to. Like, do
0: anything. Do anything. Like, hold on, guys. It's like 1915. We can't have divorce. It's like, oh, father died. And then she's like, mother wore black for a year. And then it means I'm free. And we're supposed to be like, yay. But it's like, we just spent the last 15 minutes actually finally growing like, to respect seeing father. Seeing father
1: do something and for Colehouse, and um, that was very powerful. And then he like dies and mother has her happily ever after moment with Tata, <laughs> who she then marries. Um, and, and the final image that we're we're left with in the show um is very aspirational for a vision of America
0: aspirational and also not necessarily ideal
1: yeah so Tata's anyway. Jewishness is something that the show could ha- have dealt. He with, sings
0: in Yiddish. He wraps his daughter in his tawes to protect her. But
1: in Act Two, that all kind of disappeared, which is which is the story for some American Jewish immigrants. But um, but
0: since these are stories written, I don't know.
1: Right, because it's allegorical and meant to represent America. And then Jews invented the movies more.
0: and stopped being Jewish. Right.
1: Oh oh. By the way, um, you see. A slightly grown-up version of Colehouse Walker the Third, who was a baby for most of the you show. You a kid
0: to show up, walk for the out very last like a five-year-old kid to walk out. Um, also, the interesting thing about *Wheels of a Dream* reprise as the real finale. One, it brings back Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audra McDonald to sing to us some more. So yep. it's like, I'll just take it. The dream lives on, and it's through like, our son. Through our son, but it's like, but you both died both. through terrible injustice, and like now your son is being Raised by white people, which like was part of the big dramatic thing for you, and they're just like everything's gonna be okay. I'm like, but mm, the optimism of the ending feels kind of
1: forced. All right, that's the that's the plot of this very very big epic show.
0: (laughs) This show was too big to fail. Oh wait,
1: oh wait, (laughs) we need to remember that Ragtime opens the same year as what other big hulking musical?
0: The
1: (laughs) the Lion Lion King, King, the Lion (laughs) King, Um, and of course, while Ragtime in 1998 did win the Tony Award for Best Score of a Musical and Best Book of a Musical,
0: and Audra got the Tony, and it also got orchestrations.
1: Why was Ragtime never the American Les Mis with with that kind of success? It has the big songs, it has the sweeping narrative, it has this historical arc, it has revolution. Um, and I th- I think part of the reason might be the cynicism that underlies a lot of the show and that certainly underlies the, well, the novel. Also,
0: can you do something with that sort of scale and also nuance? And Ragtime does maybe the best job of that you could do, but ultimately, you know, shows like Les Mis right. sacrifice...
1: Sacrifice subtlety. Nuance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Les Mis is anything but subtle. Ragtime tries to... Really have you see it in lots of different ways when it comes to Cole House and father and right. mother,
0: and ragtime is is just too dense. It gets weighted down, right? And I love it, but like it's much easier to just sit there and listen to the songs you like. Yep. So let's start with what is your least favorite lyric from this musical?
1: Probably from the the Crime of the Century song. Mm-hmm. The crime of the century, crime of the century, all for a youthful fling, fortune, fame and a ruined name, and now I'm the girl on the swing. So whatever, the rhymes fine, the rhythm works. The reason I don't like it is because it simplifies the complex character of Evelyn Nesbit into the novel into just this like vaudeville girl who's who doesn't really have any more depth or seriousness to her.
0: But for so a lot of those music the lyrics I didn't like were inoffensive so the most offended I managed to get um, was was from our children. Children run so fast toward the future from yeah the past. yeah. I was
1: also thinking about that like, one for a least favorite.
0: It's like
1: yeah. This song
0: is too long. This song shouldn't be here. And, and the here's a tautology. Have... Right. <laughs> and let's repeat it several yeah. times. What's what's your favorite lyric? Can
1: then? I can I have two? All right. They're both from the opening You've number. Been good. You can have They're two. both from the opening number. Okay. Um, one is, and there was distant music, simple and somehow sublime, giving the nation a new syncopation. The people called it ragtime. I just think that is a perfect encapsulation of what this show is about. And then my—it's it. totally from from the book. I'm really glad they kept it. Emma Goldman say, says, after Evelyn Nesbitt is introduced— um, and although the newspapers called the shooting the crime of the century, Goldman knew it was only 1906. And, and there were 94, 94 years to go. go. We, Goldman says. And I just Right. And I just love that because um, also the show isn't just about 1906, isn't just about these people. This is a show about America. Um, the Whole Century. So, God, what's your favorite lyric in the show?
0: Um, I ended up going with from He Wanted to Say, which is a song I often skip, um, with Emma Goldman and Cole House Walker and Younger Brother singing in parts. Two men meeting for a moment in the darkness, one turning from, one waking to America. Mm. Is the lyrics that always get me, are the lyrics that are moving and are also doing a lot with doing a little? So, I mean, it's like the little thing that, turning from and waking to, like, those four words yeah. are enough to get across so much, is that Cole House, it, it, we have the little things with Cole House turning from America. Right, he is that had
1: that American dream. And
0: he's rejecting it. I love it. Um, Daniel, thank you so oh, much.
1: Thank you, Gabby, for having me. I love your podcast, and I'm so thrilled to get- to be a guest on it now and to talk about one of my favorite shows.
0: Is there any place on social media you would like people to find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is D-A underscore Olson O-L-S-O-N And we will ride
0: On the wheels of a dream Pick a little, talk a little. You can follow us on Twitter at PALTALPODCAST, as in P A L T A L. Email us at PALTALPODCAST at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Pick a little, talk a little. We are produced and edited by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. You can find her at rachel-jacobs.com or on Twitter at WTFRJK. I've been your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz. I'm at gabriellegazelowitz.com, which is spelled in a way that you probably wouldn't guess, and I'm on Twitter at gabigazelowitz. So see if you can find me. So until next time, and as they say in producers, thanks for coming to listen to our show. Sad to tell you, we got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice, there ain't any more. If you like our show, tell everyone. But if you think it stinks, keep your big mouth shut. We're glad you came, but we have to shout. Adios, au revoir, Wiedersein, oui, ta ta ta. I get lost, get out.
1: Know that at a lot of bar and bat mitzvah parties, it's become traditional to have a musical montage slideshow about the kid. And one of the songs during my bar mitzvah montage was um, the great duet ballad from Ragtime, Wheels of a Dream. Um, and during the, the lyric, um, they were more thinking about the beauty of the song and not necessarily the tragic <laughs> arc of these characters' stories. <laughs>